In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We'll consider the gospel that we heard a moment ago from Luke 7. Dear fellow redeemed, you often hear people say that nobody shows common courtesy anymore. You don't see good manners these days. And with the anymore and the these days, it usually implies the fact that years ago, people were polite to each other, back in the good old days. But you can see throughout history and also in the Bible that long ago, people were not polite to each other. In fact, God set down some laws in his Old Testament Torah, the first five books of the Bible, all about good manners, just so he could dictate that people should act politely. Here's one of them from Leviticus 19. You shall not curse a deaf person, nor shall you put an obstacle in front of a blind person, but you must fear your God. I am the Lord. Later in that same chapter, it says, You must rise in the presence of gray hair and show respect in the presence of an elder, so that you fear your God. I am the Lord. Just because someone is older than you does not mean that you automatically have to do whatever they say. So why does God care so much about people showing honor to the elderly? And a deaf person can not hear what you say anyway, so as long as their family members don't hear you insult them, what difference does it make what you say about them? The fact is that When you act politely toward people, even though nobody else may find out about it or they'll never hear of it, it says something about your relationship with God. It would go too far to say that today's gospel is all about manners and being polite, but it does play a large role. So why don't you open your service folders if you don't already have them in front of you and take another look at Luke chapter 7. You see right off the bat that a Pharisee did something polite, at least outwardly, for Jesus. It says, A certain one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. In Greco-Roman Israel, they didn't sit in chairs for a meal like we do today. They would recline. They would have mats instead of chairs all leading up to the main table, and then you would lean on one elbow and eat with the other hand while your feet were extended out behind you. So that helps you understand how this woman could stand behind Jesus and anoint his feet during the meal. But you see all sorts of other little manners and customs and politeness throughout this reading. Just think of the politeness that it took for Simon to invite Jesus over. We might think that Simon invited him over to trap him in his words, or maybe Simon just liked following the popular crowd and Jesus was a popular teacher, so he knew inviting him would make a good party. But all of those assumptions about Simon are really thinking the worst of him, aren't they? Isn't it nice that he at least put on a happy face in order to ask Jesus over for a meal? 
And when Jesus said that this woman had not stopped shedding tears on his feet from the moment Jesus entered the house, that shows you the woman was in the house at the same time or even before Jesus came in, and Simon didn't kick her out. Yes, he looked at all of the outward evidence and came to some faulty conclusions about Jesus, and he certainly made some uncharitable comments in his mind about the woman. But look again at the thoughts that Simon had about Jesus in verse 39. Simon said in his own mind, If this man were a prophet, he would realize who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, because she is a sinner. We wouldn't know that unless the Holy Spirit told us what Simon was thinking. And when you look at his words, if you approach them with an unbiased mind, you'd have to admit it at least sounds a little bit like Simon was open to the possibility that Jesus might be a true prophet. If you think that I'm taking it too easy on Simon the Pharisee here, the reason is Jesus took it easy on him. Jesus was very polite with him. We hear so often about how Jesus would affiliate with prostitutes and tax collectors and the low lives of society, but this reading shows us very clearly Jesus also associated with the middle and upper class citizens. He associated with people like Simon, people who would be excited to hear that Roe v. Wade was overturned, people who would be disgusted by the woke culture around them and the sexual deviancy that permeated their world. Simon is a lot like those of us who attend this church. And so Jesus dealt gently and politely with him, just like he deals gently and politely with us. Did you hear him call Simon a sinner? He did it very indirectly. In fact, he did it so indirectly that he used a story, a parable, to call him a sinner. What a nice thing to do. He didn't dress Simon down in front of his guests or yell at him in his own home. Instead, he said, Simon, let's pretend that there are two men who owe money to a banker. One owes a lot, the other owes a little, and the banker decides to forgive both of their debts. Which one, Simon, do you think will like that banker more. And Simon said, I assume the one who had the larger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you've been doing a lot of judging, Simon, and now you have judged correctly. Then throughout verses 44 to 46, Jesus talks all about manners and being polite. He doesn't say, Simon, you should have done these things or you had to do these things. Rather, he presents them as opportunities. He says, Simon, you could have shown thankfulness this way or that way or the other way. This woman did, and you chose not to. Simon, people can tell that you must not have a lot of sin because you really don't appreciate forgiveness that much. On the other hand, this woman clearly has a ton of sin because she really, really is thankful for forgiveness. This may still leave you wondering some questions. Like, 
Why does Jesus talk about great sin versus little sin? I thought all sins were equal in God's eyes. Yes, let's get that straight right away. All sins are the same in God's eyes. So the very first time that this woman had sex outside of marriage, she made herself God's enemy. Just like the very first time that Simon had a demeaning thought about the drunkards or the prostitutes in his town, that demeaning thought in Simon's head made him a child of hell too. When Jesus says there are great sins and then there are little sins, he could mean one of two things. First of all, he could be saying to Simon, Simon, you don't quite appreciate how much God has forgiven you. You're treating your sin like it's a small deal. But Jesus could also have in mind the fact that there are sins which do more damage to people here on this earth. They hurt a wider range of victims. It's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer when we say, lead us not into temptation. And then Luther's small catechism explains that we want God to guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or lead us into great and shameful sins. Great and shameful sins does not make, mean that they make God more angry or less angry. Great and shameful sins means they are very public or that they hurt a wider group of people. If you lust after a woman on the beach, that's sin. If you actually go on to have an affair with her, that's worse. If you can't stand your supervisor at work, that hatred is sin. If you actually carry out the murder, you have hurt a larger, wider group of people. And that's really what this woman felt. If she had children, she saw her sins hurting their lives. She felt the public nature of her sin. She had a greater appreciation than Simon of what a serious thing sin is. And that also means she had a greater capacity to thank God for her forgiveness. So we really need to be more like this woman than Simon the Pharisee. Not in the lifestyle that she led, but in the way that she realized her guilt and thanked God for her forgiveness. We also need to be more like her because this woman clearly knew her Bible really well. She knew her passages of the Old Testament so well that she could fit together all of the predictions about the Messiah and see that Jesus fulfilled those predictions. If you would like to get so good at seeing how God's Word and His will play into your life, I would suggest coming to Bible class after this service or coming to a weekday Bible class if you can't this morning. The more that you study God's Word, the more like this woman, you will be able to see God's will and desire for your life. Finally, let's not rush past this word that Jesus repeated of forgiveness. He told the woman that she was forgiven in the parable. He told Simon, Simon, you are forgiven in the parable. But then he repeated it because that's what God wants his church doing, repeating the words of forgiveness. That is how he puts the Holy Spirit and Christ into your heart. 
by speaking it out loud. Jesus told the woman in verse 48, your sins have been forgiven. He reminded her of that forgiveness. And the more we do that for each other, the more that we will be thankful for all God's gifts. Amen.